All right, on the Goober Hotline, I've got the Honorable Senator Rand Paul. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Very good, Rick. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, welcome to State of the States, and we're so happy to have you on every so often to talk about issues and give your thoughts on what's happening here in Kentucky and abroad and in the U.S. I uh, want to jump really quick to the recent uh, news about you and, uh, you discussing funding for foreign embassies. What are your thoughts on that? You know, my concern about uh, any kind of uh, aid that we have overseas, if you're talking about aid to countries, is that uh, we can't be sending money we don't have. When it's with for security of embassies, that's a different story. So I'm not sure exactly which question were you referring to. Uh, you were talking to Richard Grinnell, I think I'm saying his name correctly, uh, about the uh, the budget for foreign mm-hmm. embassies. I, I, I think that you were on the right track. Yeah, exactly. The ambassador to Germany is Rick Grinnell, and he put in a request saying that he could live within his budget that he had the previous year. And so I commended our ambassador to Germany because we need more civil servants who will actually look at government and say, well, gosh, can I actually do my job with less money? Uh, My office each year sends money back to the Treasury. Since I've been in office, I've sent back over $4 million to the Treasury just by wisely spending it in my office and not being extravagant with our expenditures. You know, the only budget that I completely control is my office budget. And so, you know, I think we should uh, applaud and commend people who try to use taxpayer dollars wisely. So I put out a tweet uh, to the ambassador to Germany saying that what a great idea to not ask for more money, but actually said that you could do with what you had from last year. And that raises another question, and I'm not sure how this works. Maybe you have some insight on this. If you send the money back, does does the Treasury know that what you didn't spend last year versus the next year and, and know not to send that much money again? Well, yeah, it's a specific request, and you put it in, and that's what gets allocated. And so if you ask for less money and you receive less money, yes, you'll save the taxpayer money. And the reason this is important is because, unfortunately, our government spends $4 trillion every year but only brings in $3 trillion. So we're about a trillion dollars short every year, and this has added up to well over $22 trillion debt. If you come into my office in Washington, I have a TV that is showing the debt clock, and it's just spinning out of control. The numbers are just alarming to see how much money we're spending and how much we're borrowing, how much each individual family owns. Uh, I believe each family is over $100,000 that uh, they would owe if they were responsible personally for the national debt. And let's just talk about real quick, uh, just one last question to elaborate on this. Um, if Do you have an estimate or an idea in your mind how much we would save if every office of like, you know, a senator or congressman or even an embassy or other agencies, if they sent that money back, do you have an estimate on how much we would save per year uh, and what that would be? You know, in in one term in office, I saved a little over $3 million. If all 100 senators did that, that'd be $300 million. So that's, that's not chump change. That's a pretty decent amount of money. But it could go even further than this. I have a bill called Bonuses for Cost Cutters. Let's say you're in charge of $12 million and you're in the Department of Energy, and that's your job to be in charge of spending that money. And let's say next year you said, you know what, I can you know, buy staplers at Office Depot instead of buying them through the governor, government contractor, and I can save a million dollars. And in the end, you spend $9 million of the 12. I'd give you a bonus for saving money for the taxpayer, so it would be an incentive 
Right now, the opposite incentive exists. What happens is government employees spend money like gangbusters at the end of the year. In fact, they spend it five times faster in the last fiscal month of the year because they're trying to get rid of it so they can ask for more money the next year. So if you don't spend your money, you can't ask for more the next year, but it become a racket and a game. And it's just uh, literally out of control. So, uh, yeah, we have a, a bill that would actually give government employees bonuses that they would find savings and send it back to the Treasury. That sounds fascinating, and, and a, that's a terrific idea. Uh, I'd like to move on to another topic, and it, it's, it sounds like we're beating the same old drum year after year with Iran. And, uh, you know, it's, there's always a threat, and we counter, and, and then it kind of just settles down after a while. But recently, the tension has been upticking, and it's very concerning to see that the threats they're making towards the United States. I would just like your general thoughts on what's uh, with the latest developments with this and what your thoughts are on this you know my concern is that a skirmish or a small battle could lead to an escalation and a full-blown war i think the one lesson from the iraq war was is that regime change doesn't work in the middle east you get rid of one strong man and that strong man is replaced by another strong man but in between the two strong men comes chaos and in chaos becomes a breeding ground for terrorism when they toppled Gaddafi in Libya, we had chaos, and we still have terrorists breeding there, and we still have civil war uh, eight years later now. When we toppled Hussein in Iraq, guess what? We had chaos, more terrorism, ISIS arose in Iraq, and guess what? Who's Iraq's best friend now? Who's their best ally? Iran. So by toppling the regime in Iraq, we actually destabilized the Middle East and led to an imbalance of power where Iran is actually much stronger than they were before we toppled Hussein. So I think the rule of thumb is we we need to not always get involved in every damn civil war around the world. (laughs) And frankly, I'm not for sending your kid or my kid to any of these wars right now. I don't see an American interest in any of them. And can you give us a little background on the recent escalations? What What is behind all this? Because it is a little complicated and hard to understand. I can tell you what the newspapers have been saying. Uh, I can't tell you what we hear in classified hearings. Right. But from the newspaper reports, the newspaper reports say that there's intelligence that the Iranians are acting in a more aggressive manner, talking in a more aggressive manner, and that their militias might be intent on attacking Americans in Iraq. And uh, I think that's terrible, and there's no justification, obviously, for this Iranian uh, aggression. And yet, I worry that if Iran attacks through like a Shiite militia, basically these are Iraqis who live in in and around Baghdad, but they're uh, allied to Shiite militia leaders that are close to Iran. Let's say they attack an American and kill an American or attack the embassy. Are we going to then, you know, have, you know, wholesale carpet bombing of Iran? Are we going to bomb Iran the way we did Serbia and think we can bomb them into submission? No, I think what we do is we create great instability. We also uh, risk tens of thousands of lives being lost. And I'm not sure in the end that uh, really there's a better outcome for us. Now, if we're attacked, I see all reasons why the president can respond directly to those who attacked us. But if a Shiite militia in Baghdad attacks us, I don't see the um, appropriate response being that we're going to carpet bomb Tehran. And Senator, I didn't mean to. I wasn't trying to put you on the spot there. My apologies. Uh, what what I think what I was referring to was the uh, the ended exemptions on sanctions for countries still buying from Iran. Uh, I saw that as one of the reasons why things are escalating. M- maybe comment on that if you can. Yeah, well, there's a couple of reasons why uh, relations with Iran are worse. We signed an agreement with them under President Obama. I didn't love the agreement, but it actually was working. This was an agreement that they wouldn't uh, enrich nuclear uh, uh, uranium uh, towards a bomb. And so they have been adhering to that. 
Many people, though, said, well, they're still developing ballistic missiles. This is sort of conventional weapons. And so they said, well, we're going to rip up the nuclear agreement and make them sign a conventional weapons agreement and a nuclear agreement. Huh. And I thought that always it didn't really make a whole lot of sense, that really if you want another agreement, you should add it to the nuclear agreement. But once you tear up the old one, you've lost a lot of trust with them. The second thing is what you mentioned. We've had sanctions against uh, uh, Iran, but a lot of people buy their oil who are people who we're friendly with. India buys their oil. China buys their oil. Japan buys their oil. And so in the past, when we had sanctions and said, hey, you can't buy Iranian oil, we let countries friendly to us to have exemptions. Well, now we're clamping down on the exemptions. And so you can see from an Iranian point of view, and I don't justify their point of view, but you need to understand their point of view. Their point of view is that it's sort of like a, a wartime embargo where we're making it impossible for them to sell their, their main export, which is oil. So you can see from their perspective, it's, a, it's an aggressive act like war to try to forbid them from trading. And our people don't see it that way. Our people see Iran as you know bad actors and we just make, need to make them behave. But uh, in the past, I think the history of sanctions and embargoes, they haven't always ended well. And I think there's actually folks now saying that Iran has actually become more belligerent because of this, not more uh, pacified. Now I have to run back to vote now, but I appreciate you having me on. All right. Senator Paul, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Thanks for having me.